interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome everybody to my bloody podcast. I'm Brian Kluger and I'm joined by the host with the most, the person who I like to do carpentry with, who I like to get in big trouble in little China with, Preston Barta. What's up, man? I'm still chewing on that gum you gave me earlier because we share bubble gum too. We did, and we just want to kick some ass like we do on my bloody podcast. It's a special episode today, and you know why. Do you know why? Preston, tell everybody why this is such a special episode. This is a special episode because a filmmaker that we cover, I want to say quite often, or at least we have a history with, because this particular filmmaker's films are very iconic. We celebrate them all the time. He's one of the very big reasons why we started this podcast because of his love for genre and storytelling and music and so many things. Uh, We're going to talk about John Carpenter and not just for the hell of it as much as we probably would anyway, but he was just recognized in the Dallas Fort Worth area, a Alamo draft house theater renamed their theater after him. And it's called John Carpenter cinema. You may not see it on Google, but you might see a nice, really nice plaque as you walk in the theater and you'd be like, huh, I didn't know that. Well, now you know. Now you know, yeah, in Los Colinas. That's great. An Irving area. Yeah, the Alamo Draft House is now called the John Carpenter Cinema. And Preston and I got to meet and talk with John Carpenter. And as you can see here, some of his movies, Preston's got all his movies on Steelbook and everything else, but we just have to talk about our experience um, with with the man, the myth, the legend, um, because he's kind of a hard get, you know? Uh, John Carpenter notoriously hates interviews. uh, And... Press and I and talking like, about his movies. Yeah, and talking about his movies, which is like boing, crazy to me because, I mean, maybe he's over it. I don't know. We're gonna get into it. Uh, but first, uh, let, let's let's before we get into talking about, you know, that kind of stuff. Preston, what was the first movie uh, of John Carpenter's that you got into? Like, what do you remember it? Yeah, hands down, Halloween. Hands down, Halloween. How old were you? Like, where, where, what was Mike Myers? And was that the first slasher you saw? No, I want to say, uh, I, I want to say it was Friday the 13th. Was, uh, I guess, mm, I watched bits of Scream when I was six when it came out. Uh, one of my relatives had it on VHS and I, and he was babysitting me and I, and I was supposed to be in bed and I kept sneaking around the corner to watch, uh, bits of it. 
uh, he left the tape there. And so I, when he was asleep, I put it back on and I watched the whole thing. So I guess scream is it really, But then after that, it was Friday the 13th and then uh, Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and things like that. So uh, probably seven or so is probably when I watched Halloween for the first time. All right, so it was it was John Carpenter style that that got you. I can't imagine my son's about to be six in August. And I just can't imagine him doing something like that. I don't know if I was just like ahead of my time, not to diminish my son's intelligence or anything. He's a very smart kid. But maybe being an only child, my son's an only child too. So I don't know. I just, I'm trying to imagine him sneaking in here to grab a, a disc or something and putting that in and being able to know that that's what you need to do. I guess it was a little different. It's a little more complex now. to pop in a disc and hit play and go through the menu and all that. When back then it was just like you put the VHS in the player, hit play. So I don't know. It was an interesting thought. Well, let's, I mean, like I was the only child and, you know, while my cousin who was five years older than me, you know, showed me a lot of things, I think I just had a natural curiosity of going to the video store or seeing something or just like hearing maybe from a friend or an adult, like overhearing and, and I see it, you know, like what they're talking about at home or at a video store and wanting to get that. And that's how it happened. Uh, the first one I got was uh, the first one I saw of John Carpenter was Big Trouble in Little China, released in 1986. So I was about five years old when I first saw it. And I mean, Kurt Russell became the love interest, basically, to me. <laughs> He's so awesome. And Mm. <laughs> yeah. like, what my mind, you know, Big Trouble in Little China. is made for like young kids because it's got like samurais and lightning and kung fu and you have It like radiates coolness. it does but you also have you know the main character kurt russell jack burton who's like a conduit to kids because you feel like as a kid you're like jack burton he wants to save the day as a kid you want to save the day but you're just not going to and that's like kind of jack burton he's like Yeah. he just fumbles it all but he like still amazing in the movie and it just it's got like silly monsters and great dialogue and i think that's where i because i vividly remember watching especially always looking forward to that scene towards the beginning where him and his friend wang drive into the alley and then it's like the two forces like a western movie collide you know and it almost seems like it's in another another time period but it's like oh my god there's guns oh my god there's swords and knives and you know all sorts of things and uh that was my first foray into it and then from then on i was like oh my god they live because like roddy roddy piper and i was into wrestling and escape from new york and halloween and then stuff started to come out from then and you and i have bonded over the years over john carpenter and i think Out of all these movies that are on this little desk here, I think we've covered all of them. Like, I'm trying to think if we haven't done I, one yet. I don't know if we've done The Fog. I think we did Big Trouble in Little China. I know you have least brought it up back when we used to do My Bloody Recommendations. You did Body Bags. Uh, 
Halloween, The Thing, we've done. We've done Escape from New York and L.A. We did They Live. We did Vampires. So maybe just The Fog. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I think we did a body bags episode and the fog, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go check that out because if not, we gotta do those. But I'm pretty I'm pretty sure all you did was a my bloody recommendation on it. So it was like a five minute thing. We've never done a full episode. We also haven't done Assault on Precinct 13. And what else? What else? did we do Prince of Darkness? Because I remember when the 4K came out and I remember when they released the record again. I can't remember if we did that or not. Folks, my bloody podcast, we've done like 120, 130 episodes. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. We don't we don't have our uh Rolodex readily available and we haven't been very good about keeping up with it. So uh, SEO keywords and things like that are helpful in finding out Right. if Yes, we did yes, it. yes. But like... That was our first foray into John Carpenter. And, you know, John Carpenter is a couple generations before us. So, like, the man is 75 years old. And the last, like, real film he made, directed and wrote and produced and all that stuff was way back in the early 2000s with The Ward, which many people forget about. Uh, but he's, like, not making the films. His stuff was from the 70s and 80s and early 90s. And... uh you know, you don't hear from him much anymore, but he's much of a cinephile as he is as, as ever right now. And he doesn't go on a lot of talk shows. He's not active a whole lot talking about movies and stuff on social media. So for him to come to Dallas and us to get the opportunity to talk with them was really cool. Um, so Preston. Um, so, yeah. So basically this last weekend, there's uh, an event called Texas Frightmare Weekend in Dallas, Texas. It's been going on for a number of years. It's grown exponentially from being in a small hotel to a big convention center here. And it's basically Comic-Con, but horror movies specifically. You know, you have your horror vendors, you have your horror celebrities and panels and swag and cosplay. And John Carpenter was a guest this year. He was coming in for that. And then in relation to that, since he was in town, he got to have a theater named after him through the Alamo Draft House, John Carpenter Cinema. And he cut the ribbon with a big butcher knife. He did a Q&A. And then we got to talk with him for a little bit. So, Preston, did you have like big expectations for this? Or did you think like we were going to get one question? He wasn't going to answer it. And there's like, oh, that was fun. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, we were we were shooting for the moon with an opportunity like this. Uh, we knew that it was this is, as you mentioned, it's a rare occurrence for him to be able to just pop in and be able to talk about his movies. Uh, we, we didn't get to sit in on the the Q&A conversations because we didn't we, we've seen They Live and The Thing, which were the two films that they were screening uh, to to kind of welcome this uh celebration of you know or this honor of naming the theater after him they screened they live he did I, so i think he did like an there were intro q a's they were 30 minutes apart he popped in for they lived and did uh 30 20 minutes or so and then went into the uh to the thing and did a q which is the one that i would want to really sit in on um so i have no idea how that went i really wish i could have been a part of that um i guess i'm sure we know some people that can 
that can show us what the footage or the audio was for that. I'm sure we could find it somewhere, but we didn't get the full scope of it because that's just part of the thing. Like even when you go to a film festival, I have to make sacrifices all the time when it comes to covering these events. You either do the red carpet, you see the film. It's very rare that you get to do both. And so it was just fun for us to be able to hang out in the lobby area while everybody else was inside, uh, inside the theaters. We got to get there a little early to see that they were given out or not really given out. You could purchase posters through Mondo and they were really awesome posters, by the way, probably like two of the best ones that I've seen in a while. Like the thing had like a very simplistic uh, style that felt more like a, like almost like a stamp, but it was like on made out of skin kind of uh paper it was really interesting uh so if you like matted it in your in a frame poster and everything it would look really cool against like a white a white or like a colored backdrop so that was cool and i'm a sucker for anything that has like a like a sketch or pencil illustration type but is very detailed and so the one that they came up with for they lived looked really cool. So we just got to be in the lobby space while all that was going on. People were buying posters, getting them signed, that sort of thing. And then they had two of them like set up to the side. Um, and as Brian mentioned, the, the theater already was celebrating John Carpenter because in addition to just like every Alamo draft house kind of has like a, a theme that they run with like the one in downtown Dallas has a RoboCop kind of feel, um, and uh the Denton one i think is more like old disney it had a different uh like hammer old hammer films at one point but it transitioned into like early disney films like peter pan and things like that so each of them have a theme so that's always like a draw to go into an alamo draft house in addition to the the food and uh the whole overall vibe and the the respect and care that they have as as a as a theater to your viewing experience and shutting people down if they happen to be talking and disruptive and that sort of thing. So they, they really try to protect the uh, movie experience of, for the viewer. And I've always loved that. Um, and I always enjoy their food. So this particular theater, uh, Alamo draft house in Las Colinas, as I mentioned, just had have Mondo posters, all kinds of posters throughout the whole cinema that's Halloween or is the thing or they live or whatever. Uh, but right in the center of it, like in the lobby where you purchase your tickets on the second level is a huge banner that says Big Trouble in Las Colinas. And it's a real pretty backdrop. You can take pictures in front of it uh, pretty uh, anytime you want, uh, whenever they're not doing something extremely special for a big release. And uh, so the fact that it, it, it and the movie theaters next to John Carpenter Freeway, which is not named after that John Carpenter, it's somebody from like the 1800s. But a lot of people just like to say, hey, we're renaming it off the books. And so right. that's kind of the fun thing about it, too. Yeah. And you forgetting the life size they live alien. Yes, yes. We got to take pictures with the life-size, they live alien with the purple and bluish tint with the big eyes. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was cool. They had a really nice, simple setup in there. So we just hung out like with maybe 10, 15 other press members, just hung out in the lobby knowing that we would probably because they, they the PR company that was handled us, who we love, Fonz PR, they um they 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 informed us that hey 
he's got to get out of here pretty quickly. He's a big basketball fan, so he's got to he's got to get to the game after that. In addition to like uh, the PR members being have, having to get out of there, fly out of there because it was late. Um, so we were like, okay, so it's only going to be one question. I, I kind of get uh, under understood that. Um, so my expectations going into it, I guess it kind of ended up being what I thought it was going to be. I've seen enough interviews with John Carpenter to know that he's a no BS kind of guy and he'll give it to you straight. Um, he, he'll uh, at, at the cost of maybe hurting your feelings if you really take it personal. But uh, I don't take it personal at all because I, 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 I know how he is. I know how those interviews go. Um, so, uh, that, that, that's no indication of like how he responded to our, our questions, me and Brian, cause uh, I thought it was a great bit of fun. Um, I was worried that I was not going to get to ask a question, um, cause uh, we got grouped together, uh, for some reason, I guess just cause we do this together, uh, in addition to our separate outlets. Um, so I got to ask the last question about his, his wife. And that was something that Brian and I were discussing beforehand. I was like, okay, what are you going to focus on? What are you going to do? Are you gonna, He's a big basketball guy. He doesn't like to talk about his movies. So what are we going to do that make that, that sticks out? And it's not just cause we knew that some people had to ask about the honor itself. And I'm sure people asked about that inside. So that was already going to be established. Um, so we need to get creative, but not so out there that he was like, what the hell are you talking about? No, I don't want to answer that. So we, we wanted to avoid that. So there's a delicate balance with this sort of thing. We put a lot of thought into it. And so we tried. So we're I professionals, asked, Preston. Yeah, yeah we try, <laughs> we try. So I asked about his wife. I, I, I asked him, um, what if he and his wife have to compromise what they watch together because they're both filmmakers and um, they have a long history together. And so what is the reality of their home life? What are they watching together that they're like, like, do they kind of be like, no, I don't. All right, fine. You can watch that today, but I get the next pick. Like, what is that reality? What, what do they fight over the remote? And so uh, that's what I was curious about. And uh, he, he poked fun over, uh, over my wording of using compromise. Cause he's just like, that's what marriage is. Um, and so, but he, he, he just simply said that, he and his wife uh, watch everything together and that they really enjoy the things that they watch together. And so it, it was just like short and sweet. And then he closed it out by saying, uh, if you don't mind, I got to get to the game. And he wanted to be out of there. So it was just really funny him answering all the questions and being short as uh, as someone would if they wanted to get out of there and also doing a red carpet thing because it's never uh, you'd never get the long winded answer that you want that has a, a lot of inf information there. So for what it was, it was short and sweet and exactly John Carpenter. So that, that was my experience. I, I'd like to hear what you have to say about his answering of your questions and your overall thoughts on uh, covering this event. Right. Yeah. The going back to yours, when he, when you said the compromise he, and he joked and he's like, compromise, I'm married. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, no, no, no. I was like, it, we have a lovely relationship. And then when he said like, we just love cinema, speaking yeah. of cinema, there's an NBA game I got to go watch. Yeah. And I just like die and laughing. It's like, and again, folks, he wasn't going to the game. He just wanted to watch it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Which was really funny. And it was great that I'm so happy because I was like nudging press. I was like, just ask it, just ask it. 
go 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 yeah i've i've had a history of because i'm a quiet person for the most part like i don't generally speak up and i also don't like to step on anybody's toes so i was put in this unique situation where it's be i'm gonna be like okay i'm gonna be thinking about this moment forever to not be able to to not get the chance to ask a legend a question or just step out of my comfort zone. So I took a risk after the final question was asked. I was the, I was the person who asked another question and uh, I thought it was fine. I didn't, I, no, I didn't it was feel- great. You did. Yeah. I'm glad you did. And by when Preston says he's a quiet person in person, he is, but on this show, he doesn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's just you and me talking. It's just you and me, yeah. Just the two of us building castles in the sky. Um, So I asked two questions because every time I would ask or I would hear the the Fonz PR great people say you get one or two questions. I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm going to try to get as many questions in. So my questions were (laughs) 50-50. He didn't answer one. And then he answered another one, which was great. So the first question I asked, and as Preston was explaining to you all of like, we don't want to ask like, I remember that time on They Live. Yeah, that was awesome. We want to do something more than that. Uh, So I thought it's like uh, John Carpenter is big into music. He's in a band. He's played music his whole life. He composes his music. I am curious. I want to know what is like on John Carpenter's playlist, but I wanted to go a little deeper than that. And like, what's the most unusual, curious recording that John Carpenter owns? And so I asked him that and kind of verbatim like that. And he go, and his answer was like immediate. It was like, I have that answer. He paused and then he goes, but I'm not gonna tell you. (laughs) <laughs> and I was so shocked. I was like, wait, what? You're not going to tell me? And I said it like that. And he goes, no. And so Press and I, after that happened, like after everything was said and done, him and I were like, what the fuck recording does he have? And I was like, does he have like Jamie Lee Curtis fucking somebody like as an outtake? Yeah, like what's happening? Like what? what does he not want us to know? Does he have like a racist or like something going on back there. Like, you know, like you said, like a David Allen Coe song or like, what must he have that he doesn't want anybody to know about? It has to be like, probably like an unreleased track from, I don't know, like Michael Jackson or something. Like he has something that nobody else got the opportunity to hear, but he, he possesses. I don't know if it's as obscure as some of those other ones, but maybe having like a a David Allen Coe recording, because I, I, I remember, I remember kids in high school, in middle school were like passing around some of his songs, which was uh, very disturbing at the time. Right. Um, But David David Allen Coe is a country singer who has, you know, a lot of songs that you would recognize, but he has like, an underground kind of comedy (laughs) album where it's a lot of racial slurs and stuff like that, uh, which are really not made available to the public. Um, It's just kind of like the underground, like bootleg stuff. But yeah, if you had LimeWire Kazaa back in the day. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) LimeWire, look at you. Um, And so I'm curious, like, 
what did he have? Like the Michael Jackson thing's a great idea. Like, do you think like he recorded Prince like at one time? You're like, do you think like he has, or maybe like the, the DeVille's like the Coop DeVille's like his band, Mm. like, you know, did a recording of a cover album of like, you know, Etta James. Like, I don't know. Like, I want to know he's, this. He's got like Charles Manson recordings or something. <laughs> yeah. Who who knows, man? Like he, I mean, he was, he was the thing. And so, uh, <laughs> no pun intended. Like, yeah, everybody, like, I mean, we, we love and celebrate him today and people love and celebrated him at the time. Um, yeah. And especially after they really found his film. So, I'm sure he ran into some mm-hmm. most interesting people and probably cross paths and has things that uh, one day when he passes on and people are going through his stuff, I don't know if they're going to just take it to the grave um, or I hope, I hope we find out. Otherwise it's just going to be like the eighth wonder of the world to us. It, it is. It is because like you hear of like Howard Stern and John Stamos are really good friends. And when they have parties, they have like, they like John Stamos plays in bands. He plays part of the beach boys. And like, do you yeah. think John Carpenter had these parties and he has a music studio and people like John Stamos are coming over or like, like weird kind of yeah. musicians and they're just like making weird things come up and oh, oh my God. Or just, just their uh, similar interests of music, just having people come over and just discuss music. I'm sure like even some people have had their hands on obscure recordings and are just like, Hey man, I like, I'm going to, if you're going to impress somebody, impress John Carpenter. So uh, show them a, a, a strange recording. So I don't know. Our mind, our minds were running wild. And, and so <laughs> the possibilities are, in, are, are endless. Um, and watch it just not be anything at all. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Why, watch it just be, you know, he, he's just add, he's just adding to the the mystery of himself. Right. All right. So right after that, where I didn't get an answer, I asked him, you know, the because I asked I asked Preston this right before we did it, and I was like, should I ask him about you know like the favorite movie scene thing? And he goes, hell yeah, do it. So I was like, okay. So I asked that. And he gave an immediate answer. It was for, I mean, he didn't give me a scene per se, but he said like, he, he, his answer to that was Forbidden Planet, the original yeah. 50s film. It got him into it. He loved it. He talked about it just for a few seconds. And for some reason it got applause. I don't know why, but maybe. I, I want to say that it's been for because uh forbidden planet i got as a review product at one point very interesting film aesthetically and and so maybe like some of the like draft house or even fantastic fest type of vibe like because because they did like a robot thing like was it last year or the year before just like some kind of space age with the right. the, the saucer and everything so it seems like it's like part of the the draft house and fantastic fest dna so uh for him to just throw out a deep cut like that that isn't just like hey it was the original thing that uh that got me into movies like um it, it was something that seems like completely his own um and doesn't seem like he's running with the crowd with his choices uh when it comes to something like that so uh again it was a it was a very john carpenter answer right it was and 
after, I mean, those were our questions and then it went down the line, Preston got the last question uh, and then we wrapped up. And what was your feelings? I know like we didn't get 30 minutes with him. We didn't even get 10 minutes, just you and I with him, but were you satisfied? Were you excited? Like, or were you like, Oh, I can kind of maybe half check this box off or even check this box off. What do you think? I mean, again, like knowing how often he does this sort of thing, I think, I think it's pretty satisfying to me. I think about that with, uh, don't mean to name drop here, but when I got the opportunity to speak with Wes Anderson, knowing that he's overseas, doesn't do this sort of thing. That was a special, like, you know, make a mark on your tombstone kind of moment. So I'm satisfied that I got at least to, he knows that I exist. His eyes were on me. Yeah. And um, he's still fully capable of like making just brilliant work. Cause I do as much as we trashed and shit on the new Halloween movies. We really love his score and I still have those soundtracks uh, among my collection. Those were the things that I kept uh, from that film, those films. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it was still meaningful and special. Of course, you'll always want more. You would want the, that, that 30 minutes sit down of being able to just really have a full conversation where you're connecting. Like that's always the dream, but to have this opportunity and just to see something like a filmmaker like of that magnitude come to the North Texas area and he's forever going to be a part of the Texas DNA uh, because of it too. Like it just has, it has a lot of significance uh, to me and to the area now. Um, So I think, I think it it was satisfying to me if, uh, if I wasn't dreaming, if I wasn't dreaming so big on the side, of wanting to have a longer sit down, but I think for what it was um, and the the fact that I I still got that opportunity to exchange a few words was uh, good enough for me. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel the same way. He looked at us every time we watch one of his movies, every time with somebody, we are going to tell the story of the time we got to talk and meet with him. Yeah. We're going to be those annoying, uh, viewers who like watch Lord of the Rings with people who haven't seen it before and be like, that's where Viggo Mortensen broke his Broke's foot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, except we're going to be like every, every, it, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. So it, it, it was special. It was cool um, to, to be there and see that happen. And I hope that they do more fun stuff like this down the line, maybe, maybe the fact that it's called John Carpenter cinema now, like he may be more prone to dropping by and doing some more Q and a screenings or uh, maybe he'll reach a point where I, cause I imagine if you're a, a, a filmmaker like Clint Eastwood, who's just continuously producing work. And then you have somebody like John Carpenter, who's like more like, I don't know, James Cameron who only makes a select few of films, but um, but those movies like have extremely long legs and they're just still being discussed and celebrated. Um, I, I hope he, he's, uh, he'll discuss it more 
And, uh, but I, but I imagine if you've been in the business as long as he has, uh, and you made those movies, you've probably touched everything. You've discussed every nook and cranny of those films that I could feel the, I could, I could understand the frustration too, and the patient, not having the patience for it, but, uh, still, I hope he drops by more often in the Irving Los Colinas area. I hope so too. I hope so too. Um, So Preston, I have to ask, mm -hmm. is there any John Carpenter character or characters from his movies that you want to insert into an already existing movie to make them better and cooler? Uh, Snake Plissken, um, and you've got mail. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, throw him. Uh, I, I, see, I like what you said earlier when you were describing... Um, um his kind of movies well yeah like just being like this everyday type of person who is just like dropped in these like otherworldly or just heightened elevated circumstances uh, like that's always a fun thing um we, we discussed that before with uh like jeremy sonier films of like uh you know blue ruin and green room that that are just average joe people like people who just did, did not expect what happens in the film to happen to them. And so that's always like a fun scenario to think about. So yeah, like imagine a snake who has like such an intense look. I, he's probably, he's more confident. Um, I would say by comparison to Jack um, with his heroics, I would say a little bit more. So maybe, maybe Jack Burton would be the better choice of dropping him into some, romantic comedies like i just watched Notting hill the other day and just imagining him being like this outside uh like this what was that movie's daddy daddy's home where you get like john cena on a motorbike who's like this intense dude or or even like i guess mark Wahlberg's character who's like a more intense figure com compared to like will ferrell um so just imagining hugh grant with jack burton how that goes down And uh, who will uh, Jamie Lee, uh, not Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Julia Roberts pick? I mean, I love that element to see of Jack Burton on the other side, like as <laughs> as that. And you want you you hope like he says something like "son of a bitch must pay," <laughs> like he was like he'd be like the Spike character. I don't know, like <laughs> yeah, like I I'd like to imagine him like following the events of everything that happens in Big Trouble in China, where he does have maybe a little more confidence in him, uh, and he could just roll up with a motorcycle outside the bookstore in Notting Hill as Julia Roberts is like trying, you know, getting some recommendations on books, and then. Uh, Hugh Grant has this whole charming thing that he's just laying out like he's he's putting it all out there and you just hear this like just completely disrupting everything that he had planned um, so yeah something like that would be pretty fun oh that would be so good I agree something with Jack Burton because if you take McCready from the thing there's He's very serious, you know, like, and you know, almost like want to see somebody like McReady, like in a technological movie, like Sneakers or The Net, where he's just like, <laughs> pour some whiskey in it and like, kill it. Like, oh my God, McReady in The Matrix. He's just going to destroy it. <laughs> oh, you know what? I just thought of another one. Okay. So uh, Roddy Piper is not a, in uh, They Live, dropped into Dazed and Confused 
with ah, um, oh, god damn it, what's that uh, that character's name? The 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 one who pretty much has the exact same line as him, where he's like, you know, I came here to drink, do two things, kick some ass and drink some beer. It was like we're Nikki all Cat. out of beer. Nikki yeah. Cat, yeah, yeah. So so have them like just have him show up at the party and be like, motherfucker, that is my line, and you ruined it. Like just that would be <laughs> so good. That would be oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, I, you know, it? I, I I have to think that um that uh Richard, Richard Linklater he's probably he's a John Carpenter fan. I, I bet I bet so. No, I think that would be great. I think that would be super cool. <laughs> Isn't there a character from one of his movies? Like I was just watching something recently, I was like Tubbs, that's where you got. Oh, Miami Vice. I was watching Miami Vice, and 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 uh, yeah, I love the original Miami Vice. I'm rewatching it. Um, so yeah, one of the characters, Tubbs. There you go. There, there you go. go. So, there you go. John Carpenter, ladies and gentlemen. That's our story with meeting the iconic, um, the iconic John Carpenter. Preston, if you had a least favorite and a most favorite John Carpenter movie, what would it be? Mm, most favorite, I still would probably have to say Halloween, um, but I also love The Thing a lot. I think that's his probably best made movie. Um, my least favorite, uh, sorry, John, Escape from L.A. Or <laughs> the, um uh, I have not seen the last movie that the ward. I haven't seen that. So I can't really throw that in, in, in the ring. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the fog. Um, so yeah, best, best, uh, most enjoyable time. Halloween. I can watch that over and over. The thing is most accomplished film. I would say is best made one and most intense one and creative uh least of the ones that i've seen probably uh yeah escape from la all right all right i think mine would i think like the mo my most treasured one is big trouble in little china yeah followed by i think the thing and halloween although they're all top three and i think probably the ward the ward would probably be my least favorite mm -hmm. it's i haven't it's the the one that i've seen the least out of all of them but uh, again, I don't know when the last time that was ever released on home video. So mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure. But John Carpenter, hopefully soon we can get him on the show for an extended length of time and he can not answer all of our questions. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it's going to be our goal to just come up with I was like, just so you know, we came up with like 150 questions and we expect that you will not answer half of them. And it's just, <laughs> just, oh. just be completely aware of of how he is. Of how it is. Yeah. Well, but. thank you for listening to my bloody podcast. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I got I got I gotta talk about Texas Frightmare Weekend. Oh yeah, I totally forgot. Oh my god. So Texas Frightmare Weekend, we mentioned that it's the comic book, it's the Comic Con of horror movies and horror pop culture. Um Preston and I have been covering this. Preston went as a fan this year uh, and he just like got into it. He went to see some things. Um, and I think this was one of the first years where it went from like a big hotel to an actual big ass convention center. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very curious, Preston, is it still a lot of people? Is it 
is it run well? Do they need the space? Like, is it, was it fun? Was it cool? Did there, did you fix some things? What do you, what give us the dish? So I still, so going, there was a, a year, a few years where I felt like Texas Frightmare was just excellent. Like it was in the, the basement of, um, the Hyatt Regency at the Dallas Fort Worth, uh, airport. And it just had like a comfortable amount of people who attended in the types of, in the types of guests that were there. And it wasn't, th this is just me being 100% honest. Like there was a time where autographs were more affordable. Like I could get, I don't know, um, like the, the Boondock Saints guys for like $25 or something Yeah, like it, that. there used to be covering comic book conventions and stuff like this. Getting into a convention used to be at the most maybe 50 bucks, at the most. And then autographs were between 10 to $25 at the most. If you had like a Keanu Reeves type of figure, it was 50 yeah. That yeah. has changed, right? Good God, yes, it has. Uh, especially if you go to like something, some other like local conventions, um, which I will not name because I will, I have to cover them too. <laughs> so, um, it's like I think I've I've seen it two hundred bucks for yeah. like Mark Hamill or something like that, and it's just crazy to me that it can be that high. Like, um, like I understand it, like you want these uh, talents to be celebrated and recognized and be worth every cent of that. But it's just like for, for me who is like a, who doesn't spend the whole year preparing for something like this. I mean, I know that I probably should, but uh, you know, autographs don't mean a whole lot to me as they do to some people. Um, like I'm, I'm more here, especially as a journalist, I'm here for like experiences that we had with John Carpenter being able, like us being able to just chat with him for that, that those few seconds, him acknowledge us in some capacity is more valuable to me than an autograph would be to have it say, you know, to Preston, yada, 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 line from the movie, sign to my poster. It's going to be hanging up in my room. I look cool in front of some people for a little bit, but then I die. And then that thing is of no value because it has my name on it. Um, um, so I, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, so yeah, I, I just, having to pay the money to get into the event itself and uh, pay for parking and, and pay for the autographs and, and all the cool things that they have there. It's expected nowadays. Um, and everything has kind of skyrocketed. We complain about, you know, ticket prices to go to concerts. Like they're ridiculous. All the amount of fees that you have to pay. So it, it's just like, Hey, you got to roll with, roll with uh the good times here uh so to speak and so you just have to understand that but you know this is just me like all my private thoughts kind of coming up to the surface but all that said going to a horror convention and you know being in line being around people and just kind of seeing what they have on like outside of just the costumes that they have like people just spend hours and hours making these costumes and so it's just really cool that's the cool thing to me nowadays is going to that uh more so than seeing some of those guests there um it's just seeing like how much 
how much time people invest in this sort of thing and then just being in line and pe people are like so happy to be there they're they're like so curious what's going to happen there's like the possibilities are endless there of being because uh, me waiting in line i'm like okay i'm excited to see like what what costumes are going to be there uh or, or what people are dressed up as what the guests and like what the layout's going to be now that it was at this bigger venue And uh, for me, I chase VHS tapes. Like uh, they have one particular vendor that's there that every year that has like these really cool uh, VHS tapes. So before I get into like all the details of like how the event was run and everything in the venue itself, I walked away with three tapes. I walked away with the Japanese version of Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors. And Probably the uh, best nightmare on Elm Street. hands down and really cool copy uh that uh let me show you Brian just so you can see I did share it online so you did probably see it but uh like just the 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 artwork on it is so cool. That artwork Uh is so bad. We need to we need to find an awesome like when I say bad, badass. We need to find a poster of that. yeah I'm sure I'm sure it does exist. Like it just has like All these images at the bottom, like the most iconic images at the bottom of, of, of the of the frame, and you got uh, Freddy Krueger pretty prominent, and then uh, so I don't know. It's just cool to kind of see things from different cultures and different areas of the world. So I bought that, and I got a Howling <laughs> Part Six, complete with a bunch of video store stickers. I also like that kind of look to films, just like seeing, oh man. Like, where have you been? Like, all the hands that you probably disappointed by watching this movie. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, it's got, you got um, Tony Todd in it and stuff like that. So, it just has, like, $5 rental, horror, youth restricted 17 plus, and then Schnucks previously viewed. So, Schnucks Video Club is where this came from. Um, so, that is really awesome to me. And then, what else did I get? Oh, I got Halloween Part Four, which is probably one of my very favorite Halloween sequels. And I do not own, so I only have one through four on VHS. No, I take that back. I got H2O. So yeah, I'm I'm lacking a few, but I was originally chasing Halloween or uh, Friday Thirteenth because Friday Thirteenth's my favorite horror series. Um, so I'm after four and five uh, right now, and then I'll be done. Um, so those are the ones that I was doing. so I went in for looking for that personally, um, in in addition to covering the event. So the, this year the uh, it, Texas Frightmare went from. the Hyatt Regency at the DFW airport to now being at the Irving Convention Center right next to the Alamo Draft House Las Colinas, uh, now known as John Carpenter Cinema. And it's a huge venue. Uh, I've been there before for uh, Fan Expo and Sci-Fi Expo, things like that. And it's a big facility. It's like multiple stories. And so there's a good amount of space at the bottom to have your exhibit hall for you, for vendors to be able to sell all their cool horror related products. And they got really great. So that's part of the, the appeal is like going in there, seeing all the cool merchandise and all these unique ideas that people have. Um, and you'll just find things like, Oh, I didn't know that I needed a hand-drawn, um, picture of 
of the scene in the shining where that pig thing is going down on that dude, um, that, that sort of thing. So you can find all kinds of just like really some deep cut stuff and things you didn't know you needed that you now need. And, um, so that's always the fun part is, so this year it was easier to get around the exhibit hall and cause there was, there was a little more space to be able to walk through each of the aisles and, uh, like don't feel like you're being rushed. Cause that's always, that was a problem in the past that uh, it being at the higher Regency over the years, as the event got more popular and more people knew about it, it got more crowded. And so like you always felt rushed. You're paying all this money to get into the door. You want to be able to just really take your time and look through these things and go, th and there's just so much pressure for you to move on. It's like going, trying to buy a record on record store day where you're just like, uh, uh, shit, I missed the one that I wanted. Um, so that, that, that's been the feel in the past. So that was better. I think there was, but I went on a Friday. Um, so the most intense day is probably Saturday because most people are off and, uh, a lot of the guests are all there because some days they're like only there Saturday and Sunday and, and then other days, uh, or they may be there all three days, but um, almost all the guests are there on Saturday. Um, so uh, it, it's extra busy. So that was a plus being able to have a little more room to do that. But when you got to the guest area it's, area itself, which was pretty much the, that, the borders of the entire uh, exhibit hall. Uh, they would have like the, the more higher ups, like John Carpenter, I think he was up like two or three floors um, to have his own private room. So it wasn't too hectic. He didn't have to be surrounded by a huge crowd of people going, John, John. Like he didn't have to deal with that. They would let in one person at a time. I've done that with like Bruce Campbell, like Bruce Campbell uh, signing something for me. Like it was like that, like you go into a room and, and it does allow you to have that, that, that space. So if John Carpenter cost $125 to get his autograph, but I bet you got to, <clears throat> I imagine as I did with Bruce Campbell to exchange a few words uh, with them to say, Hey, you know, you mean a lot to me. That movie was badass And, and you really changed my life. And, and that's the things that they, uh, or at least if, if they're a whole wholesome celebrity or wholesome talent that they really take to the, hearing those stories, they like to hear that they, you know, that their work when they were just, you know, in most cases just creating another film, right. Telling another story that they wanted to tell. And it ended up being uh, much bigger than, than themselves. And so, um, yeah, to be able to, so in that way, maybe it is worth, worth it to you, uh, at, for fans to spend that amount of money to be able to have that moment. So if you're, <clears throat> if you're okay with, you know, uh, sucking up all the couch pennies that you have in your, in your, in your cushions, um, it, it, it might be worth it to you because, um, you, you'll have some a special moment like that you might be able to share with them that that one story that you've been itching to share with them and just to kind of see how they react so you you get that that room to be able to do that but um that said there was for how many uh talents were lined up on the outside of the entire room it was a little more difficult to navigate where people should line up. I don't, I, I really wonder what Saturday looked like. 
um, because there was like a middle aisle to get around uh, the talents because that's what I was doing. I was like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to pay to get anybody's autographs. I just want to see who's here. I want to see how they're reacting. <clears throat> and so I saw Keith David signing autographs. I saw the the guy from <clears throat> uh, Gremlins signing autographs. Uh, most of the cast of the thing was there uh, signing autographs. So they all seemed really fun and cool. And uh, one of my favorite ones who we actually saw at, uh, at John Carpenter cinema when uh, John Carpenter was being recognized was that uh, actress that's in, uh, in freak show uh, American horror story. Um, we, we saw her, let me, let me get her name pulled up. Cause I, I uh, there's too, you know what? There's too many names to remember in your life, and I'm very terrible <laughs> names. Uh, so Naomi Grossman, she seemed super sweet. Um, so did uh, Dakota Beavers. If I if I I just wanted to chat with him from uh, the pre uh, Prey, um, and Amanda Midhunter Midhunter was there the following day, so I didn't get to see her. Um, but I just wanted to say that he was badass and. Uh, can't wait to see what what all the other projects he's a part of. Um, so uh, yeah, that 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 was cool. But admittedly, kind of hard to navigate and get around in the in the talent area, the talent uh, aisles. Um, so I feel like that amount of space allowed them to be able to have more vendors show up, but it was still pretty crowded. Um, and uh, I don't know if they completely utilized all the space that they had on the following on on the upper levels. So because um, I, di I didn't really get to take it in completely because they were reserving the second floor for a huge party that they were having that night and uh, which they made it turn into Haddington Field. And so they had a whole party going on there and you had to pay on top of that. It's, it's like going to Disney World, man. So you're, you're paying for your lightning pass and all that stuff, your food pass. So you just got to know that you're, you, you got to be willing to spend the dough, uh, but you'll, you'll have a good time. You just may be, your bank account may, may not forgive you as as much as you want you got to rebuild it back up you got to rebuild the money back up like yeah. you're throwing that those coins into the couch cushions again every every day yeah so, exactly all right yeah texas frightmare john carpenter i mean for us on my bloody podcast it's a big week so yep. we had to tell you about it we will be doing more episodes of My Bloody Podcast very soon. We just got done with a holiday week. Catch Preston and I on our other podcast with Dan Moran, Fear and Loathing and Cinema. We're recording this week a new episode, which will be great. Uh, and we'll be back with My Bloody Podcast. Uh, catch Preston, catch all of his coverage of everything on Instagram at Blu-ray Dad, Twitter, Preston Barta, YouTube, Fresh Fiction, and then catch his reviews, his interviews, amazing stuff on freshfiction.tv and Denton Record Chronicle. Am I missing anything? Are you are you part of something new yet? <laughs> no, man, just here. Just here, just here, man. Party at the Moon Tower later. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I'm Brian Kluger, highdefdigest.com. See the reviews there, boomstickcomics.com. Wednesdays from noon till two on Electromagnetic Radio. Check out my radio show, playing soundtracks. 
Brian Kluger on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And we'll be back for another episode of My Bloody Podcast very soon. Until then, let us know what your favorite John Carpenter movie is. Beep.